Our text this morning as we hear from the living God in his word is Galatians 6, verses 11 to 18, focusing this week primarily on verses 15 and 16. But as we come now to the end of our time in Galatians, listen first, though we've read it once before, listen first to these words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 30. Beginning there in verse 11, as the people are about to enter the land, the word of the Lord. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, Choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. It's verse 19 of that chapter in Deuteronomy 30 that I'm especially focused on. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life, Galatians. Because on the one side was a curse. Remember Galatians 1 verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That is, accursed by God. And I think Paul means accursed eternally. He's speaking of those who preach this false gospel, but by implication, those who follow such preaching as well. There's a curse. But on the other end, there's a blessing. Galatians 6, verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Peace and mercy, the opposite of being accursed, the blessings of God for eternity, mercy, the covenant faithfulness of the Lord who forgives our sins, peace, shalom between God and people and creation itself. Which will it be, Galatians? You see, that's why Paul wrote this letter. Because which it will be depends on how the Galatians respond. How they respond to the gospel that now has been re-proclaimed to them in a letter. Remember how Paul started off not just at the very beginning of chapter 1, though he says there, an apostle not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. But in verse 11 of chapter 1, just after the text Karina read, as he launches his letter to them, he says, For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It was Paul who preached the gospel to them originally, and so now it's Paul who's written it again. And so in Galatians 6, verse 11, see with what large letters he writes, I am writing to you with my own hand. This same apostle who preached the gospel that came from God is now the one writing it to them. And the letter is complete. Paul, in this passage, has taken up the pen himself. And there remains now for the Galatians and for us one question. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? It's not much new this morning. This sermon aims just at one thing, really. And it's this. Paul says that it's all who walk by this rule (laughs) who receive the peace and mercy of God. So the key question must be, and if we can't answer it at this point of Galatians, the key question must be, what is that? What is this Rule. What is the rule according to which we must walk if we are to enjoy the mercy and peace of God? To answer that is to summarize Galatians. 
So you already know the basic contour of my answer. It's the cross plus the spirit. It's walking in a way that demonstrates the realities of the cross and the spirit in our lives. That is to live by faith, according to Galatians. And if anything of the last few weeks in particular has made sense, hopefully this much has, that when the cross and the Spirit are realities in our lives, when we are living by faith, we love. We bear one another's burdens. We fulfill the law. Or to try to say all of it together in a way that I will add one little new piece to, because it's a new piece that Paul adds in these last couple of verses. It is the cross inaugurated, spirit-empowered, new creation love. that makes us the people of God. It is the cross-inaugurated, spirit-empowered, new creation love that fulfills the law in our lives, that makes us the Israel of God, the people of the covenant. For this commandment that I command you today, Moses said to the people, is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. New creation love. Because from our passage today, the key point, the piece that I'm adding the thing that hopefully ties together what we've been doing in Galatians since, can you believe it, March, the key point must be that when the cross and the Spirit are in our lives, we are new creation. That's the connection of verse 15 to verse 14, I think. And do you see that? But far be it from me, Paul says here, Galatians 6:14, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was last week, right? That's where I put my confidence. That's where I put my trust. That's the foundation of my hope for the future, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 15 begins with for. F-O-R. Here's why you boast in the cross. Here's why you trust it. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. In other words, you have to connect the new creation to the cross. And today, what I want you to make is one basic world-altering observation, which is that the cross brings about new creation. That's why Jesus died. That new creation begins, ultimate, first in Jesus, 
than in us before it becomes all of the world. Death isn't the goal of the cross. Life is the goal of the cross. So here's how one author puts it. In the Christian story, crucifixion is followed by resurrection. Death by life. Good Friday by Easter. Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and was buried. Yet on the third day he rose from the dead to become the first and the last and the living one. The one who died and came to life. The beginning of God's creation. All of those quotes from the first three chapters of Revelation. His own bodily presence, the risen Lord, raised, transformed, glorified, is itself the inbreaking of new creation. And now, as the risen and exalted Lord of history, Jesus declares this message to both the church and the world. Quoting Revelation 21, verse 5. Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. This is what Jesus is doing. And how does he do it? How exactly does he do it? How does Jesus make all things new, including you and me? How is Jesus bringing about the reality of the new creation? And the answer, you know it, is that he does it by sending his Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We say it every Sunday in the Nicene Creed. The giver of life of life. The same spirit who once hovered over the face of the waters at creation when the Lord spoke. And it was. By forgiving our sins at the cross, Jesus makes it possible for the spirit to come. For himself to send the Spirit, his Spirit, for God to be present, to dwell with us, to dwell in us. The source of all life itself to empower and sustain us. It's new creation. And everything has been about this, though Paul never used the words. All of Galatians, the cross plus the Spirit to bring about new creation life. Let me remind you of just some of the key passages from Galatians that point us to the cross plus the Spirit. Galatians 1 verse 4, grace to you and peace. Hear those words repeated at the end of the letter. (laughs) Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age by the work of the Spirit. Galatians 3, verses 1 to 5. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The cross. Let me ask you only this. 
Did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3, verses 13 to 15. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The cross. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, children of God. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Galatians 5, verse 1, and then verse 16 put together. Here's verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. It's the cross. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But I say, verse 16, chapter 5, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This commandment I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And now, in the final verses of Galatians, written by Paul's own hand, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross, he writes, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The cross brings about new creation because the cross enables the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, you know this verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is, she is, a new creation. All this is from God, Paul writes. Or, to put it in the language of Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's the cross. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the Spirit. And the life I now live in the flesh, new creation. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my best shot at summarizing the gospel according to Paul. 
to look at. This is the Apostle Paul. This is his gospel. This isn't the lead-up to the point. All this theology that we've worked at in many months of studying this letter, trying to grasp in every phrase and every move of the thought, where Paul would take us in understanding what the Lord is doing in our life. All this theology isn't the background of what Paul now wants to say to the Galatians. That is the core message of Galatians. He writes a letter to Christians in the first century, most of whom wouldn't have been able to read it, but would have listened to it read in its entirety, publicly, in worship. He writes this letter to those who are struggling with teaching that would lead them away from the gospel in their communities, struggling to hold together, and he loves them. He founded the churches there. He's in anguish for them that Christ would be formed. He's in the pains of childbirth, he says, again for them, again for them. And the bottom line, final message to these believers that he so passionately desires them to grasp is to say, it's real. New creation is real. And it's real in you, Galatians. It comes from Jesus, the resurrected one, the man of new creation himself, the beginning of God's new creation, who's forgiven your sin that he can send his spirit to you as you've embraced the cross. His spirit then has recreated you, Galatians, and that's what makes you part of the people of God, part of, to use this tremendous language in the last Verse of, almost the last verse of Galatians, part of the Israel of God. That's what makes you part of the people of God, not circumcision. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And my point is simply this although I don't even know why I feel like this is such the central thing I have to say. This is not an abstraction. I mean, do you see, Paul's not giving them theory. I said, I think, in the first sermon of Galatians that if at the end of this all we can do is talk our way through complex theological thinking, God help us. He's saying, this is real. This is reality. This is you. This is the only thing that matters. This is ontological reality. I'm telling you the most important thing you possibly can know about yourself. You are new creation. Christian sister, Christian brother, do you know that? Do you realize you are new creation? That the Spirit is operative in your life in such a way 
that you will be brought to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. I'm completely convinced that that's what we need to hear, that that's what we need to hear from this letter and from each other. Because that's the center of our lives. New creation. What it entails is spirit-created obedience in our lives as we walk by faith, made possible by the cross of the Messiah who took upon himself the curse of the law due his people. It's the cross plus the spirit, and I guess you could say it equals new creation. Do you remember the parallel text in Galatians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6? Just so you see, I'm not making any of this up. Galatians 5, verse 5. Just glance up a chapter there. For through the Spirit, Paul writes, (laughs) through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For, here's what the waiting looks like, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. New creation love. You see how we can put those two things together? Love which is the fulfillment of the law, the result of the cross plus the spirit as realities in our lives. And when those things are realities, when the reality of new creation now in our lives and, God willing, in our life together as a community, this is all in community that Paul's writing to Galatians. You are to bear one another's burdens, to love one another. Even as this present evil age continues around us, if this is the reality, new creation life, when that reality is present, no matter what's happening elsewhere, it's that reality that reminds us that there is an age to come. That this world is not the end. That we've been set free from the enslaving power of this age. We're waiting for the next one. That reality, that new creation reality, is why we have good reason to hope for future righteousness and for the blessing of God's peace and mercy in eternity. It's life in the new age. That's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 25. Listen to this amazing text with these truths of Galatians now in the background. Romans 8, verses 19 to 25. For the creation waits, Paul says. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Children of God. That's you. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's you. 
For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Do you hear that language? First fruits. New creation fruit. To be harvested one day. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. New creation. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, Moses said, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, the Israel of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Let me simply say that it has been an especial joy to work through Galatians with you. didn't really have any idea in March, um, the first or second Sunday of Lent, as it was, I think, that it would take us till the end of November, first of all, to make it, but that secondly, that the Lord would be as present as he has been, I think, as we work through this book together. I don't know why I feel it so strongly, but I do feel it, that the Lord is pleased to have used Galatians in many of your lives, and that he will be pleased to continue to use it in the days and weeks and months to come. And so as we end our time in this book this morning, I, I want to ask you, to consider doing something if you're willing. It's not required, but if you're willing sometime in the next few weeks, Advent would be a good time to do this, to take some time to reflect back on Galatians. And I'm asking that if you would, to write me a letter. Or if letter sounds too hard, write me a note. <laughs> Doesn't matter how long it is. But 
as your pastor, I would like to know if, if you're willing to share with me if you're choosing life. And what Galatians has meant. What you've taken from it. What the Lord has been saying to you in this book. What new insights you got, if that's how you want to do it. It can be anything, really. A, a theological insight, a personal application, a general reflection. It's up to you. But I'd love to hear about it. That I might support you and pray and urge you on in the life of faith. So for a moment now, uh, Roger will come and, and pray and, and lead us into some prayers that begin by responding to Galatians. And in a moment of quietness, while he's doing that, coming up here, I, maybe you can begin to reflect in that way. Thank you for the privilege of moving through this book together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.